We are studying the book of Proverbs from a practical point of view in the evening services. We've been going through a number of things. And uh, tonight we called it Wisdom for Parents. We are into the practical area of dealing with wisdom. We've been looking at all different things uh, in this book on wisdom, and we are now dealing with the family, and we're talking about wisdom for parents. So I'd like to begin by reading verses 8 through 10, and then we'll get into as much as we can do this evening. Verse 8 of chapter 1, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are, grace, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent, is what the writer of Proverbs says. Last time we were together, we talked and spent the time to introduce this area of the study in Proverbs about the scriptural view of marriage, the scriptural view, and it's so important in our day and age with what is going on with the concepts of family, with the concepts of marriage. We addressed that last time, parenting, marriage, family, and how important it is for normal roles as scripturally defined. And we pointed out last time as well how when you deviate from what the scriptures say and the normal roles are either changed or blurred, that society itself does not fare well. And I think you see that around you even today. It will not fare well when you deviate from God's design. Now tonight we want to move on specifically into the instruction in families and begin with the parents. So I want to begin with this passage tonight. And the first thing, obviously, from what we've seen now, uh, based on what we've already learned, is this section here where I would say to you the number one thing is parents teach your children. As obvious as that should be, there is number one. It is the parents who are responsible and are primarily responsible for the instruction of their children. That responsibility goes to the parents. And we need to take it seriously as parents. All parents need to take that seriously. It is not society's place to teach our children. I think I shared with you weeks back that one particular congressman is making a move and has made a public statement about how really the direction they want to go is that no parent can call the children theirs. They are the children of society. Well, I understand maybe some concepts there, but that is moving away from what we have here. You know who your children are, and you are responsible. Society is not responsible. Neither is a school responsible. Oftentimes, parents delegate that authority, in a sense, to the school, and, and they're not doing a good job, so they expect that the school to correct the situation. Well, the school should be supplementing and uh, helping the family, but they are not the primary mover of teaching and instructing the children. It is the parents that are to do that. In fact, I would encourage you as parents that uh, whatever you're doing for parenting, it should be that when you go to choose a school, that school should be consistent with your thinking. If you don't think that's important, you will pay later because of the influence that will go into the thinking and molding that child. But it is your responsibility. It is not even the grandparents. 
And that is one challenge to grandparents. When they have children and then their children have children and then they come over the house and you don't really maybe approve or think they're doing something right and you need to stay away from that because it is not your responsibility. Now we are living again in a society in which sometimes the parents aren't around and the, the grandparents are the ones bringing up the grandchildren. But primarily we need to see that it is the parents who are responsible for teaching their children. And I want to mention what I highlighted I would be referring to uh, very briefly tonight, and then we'll get into some other specifics. When we talk about teaching the child or teaching our children, I want you to understand that it is our responsibility as parents to train the whole child, the whole child, not just the spiritual aspect of the child. It is the parent's responsibility to be involved in the education, to be involved in the training of their children. For example, physically, how they will develop. And to address that, parents even back away from this sometimes. It is your responsibility, it is my responsibility as parents to take that upon, their, upon themselves. In fact, I often hear as a pastor from people, not necessarily even from the assembly, but from people and, and see among children how they have a, a low view of even their physical makeup and the way they've been made. Turn with me to Psalm 139 for a second. We'll come back to this, but I want you to see this just very briefly. Parents, we need to be involved in the physical training as well in teaching and instructing of our children. I'll show you why. In Psalm 139, just very briefly, verses 13 through 16. 13 through 16. Watch. And, and this isn't a passage where it says God knows everything about us. He knows when we're sitting down. He knows when we go to bed. He knows when we're up. He knows everything that's going on. Look at verse 13 and 16. For you formed, that is God, you formed my inward parts and you wove me in my mother's womb. That's pretty vivid. Verse 14. I will give thanks to you, watch this, every single person in this room needs to take this to heart. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. It is very important for parents to under, have their children understand that each of them have been fearfully and wonderfully made. That's not all. Very next verse, verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, that is in the womb again, nobody saw that, and watch this, and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. And I, I well, I should read verse 16 as well. Your eyes have seen, watch this, my unformed substance, everything about me. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Now we just prayed and it was mentioned, we don't know, and we had a, a family where a young person died in, in that situation. But what I really want you to catch is this. So many children, you know, I'm not tall enough, I'm not, uh, I'm short, uh, or I am too tall, I didn't want to be that tall and I, I look funny, and, I, and I'm not like others, and I'm not coordinated. Listen, you are exactly who God wanted you to be, every one of us. 
Every one of us. And we need to be instilling that in our children. There are no two children. I have five children. I have 11 grandchildren and a 12th on the way. And in that situation, every single one of them are different. And they need to see that they are exactly the way God wanted them to be. That is part of our responsibility when we talk about teaching and instructing our children. If they have a complex, if they are down, if they are discouraged about looks or whatever it might be, it is our responsibility as parents to take them back to a passage like this, and this isn't the only one, and help them to see that. We ought to be involved in their training, not only physically, but intellectually. It's interesting, I won't turn to it, but a couple of things. There's many, many things I thought of on this, but I want to get back to Proverbs in, in, in these detailed passages. But when we talk about intellectually, it starts in Genesis. Man was to subdue the earth, and he's still supposed to be doing that. He's to discover it. He is to use the intelligence that God has given him, and it is our responsibility as parents to instill in them the importance of education, the importance of thinking, the importance of being involved in reading, and the importance of being involved in things that are going to train their brain, that are going to help them to use their intelligence. It's even said of Jesus in, in Luke chapter 2, as you know, that he grew in stature and he grew in wisdom. That's practical. The Lord Jesus Christ, who was fully God, was also fully man. And he grew in wisdom, and he began to understand, and he began to see just even how things go. Emotionally, how to handle things. All of our children and all of us as adults will handle, will come across many, many situations in which our emotions are affected. And by the way, we need to understand this as believers. All too often we don't. Emotions are a good thing. It's part of our makeup. The Lord Jesus Christ himself wept even when he knew that he was going to raise his friend from the dead. He sweat as it was, even tears of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we find out that he had compassion. We find out that he had emotions and he felt things as he looked at the crowd. There is nothing wrong with emotions and it's hard sometimes for the men to understand that, for us as men particularly. But we need to understand that, and we need to understand that with our children, and we need to help them through their emotions of leaving the first day to kindergarten and being away from mom and dad in a scary environment that's a great environment. We need to help them when they progress in, in, from the years of that into full-time school in the first grade. We need to help them when they move up into that middle school with all the emotions, and now everything's going haywire with kids. And then especially when they get into high school, and now it really goes haywire with emotions and everything else, and how to help them to understand those emotions. And then the emotions of going away to college, that's when you usually have to go back and help the parents. Uh, the emotions when they're getting ready to get married. We need to be involved in that training. We need to be involved in helping them to be trained morally and understanding it's not like we're being taught in the world today that there's no black and white. There is. There is right and there is wrong. All you need to do is look in the word of God and how to make choices and moral decisions. We're going to see that in Proverbs. Socially, we need to be involved in the training of our children socially. They will one day be an employee or possibly even an employer or running a company and how to handle that situation, how to deal with neighbors, 
how to handle the government. That is all part of their social makeup that we need to be involved in. And if we're not involved in the training, or you have a child that's struggling socially and so forth, how much time have you been involved in the educating of that child? Because it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. And then obviously spiritually, and I purposely left that one at the end because we think of that first, and in a sense we should, but they should be learning to fear God through you. They should be learning how to pray. They should be learning the importance of the word of God. They should be learning the importance of following him. The many things that we've already studied in the book of Proverbs. How to walk with God. How to talk with God. How to make judgments that are pleasing to him. Now, how often are we to be able to do that? One other passage I want to look at, and then we'll get right back to Proverbs chapter 1. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I understand this was directed to the nation of Israel in the context of a covenant situation. But I think it's a very practical one to help us see something here as we begin to unfold Proverbs and some of the instructions specifically that we are to be involved in. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, I want you to see in verse 4, he is talking to Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, uh, excuse me, our God is, uh, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Now watch this. These words, the instruction given to the nation of Israel, which I command you today, shall be in your heart. That was the parents first. And then watch this. You shall teach them diligently. To who? Your sons. How often does that go on? Watch. You shall talk with them when you, and, and you shall, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign in your hand, and they shall be on the frontals of your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, that was for Israel, but I think there's some very practical application we can take away from that. And that is that we are to be involved, as I'm saying, in the whole person of our children in educating them. And it is a never-ending situation. Those of you that were in the parenting class that I taught on uh, the Sunday morning Bible studies that we had there for three quarters. That's what we said. It is a lifetime thing. It never stops. Parenting does not stop, even when your children grow and they move out. Hopefully you've got such a relationship that you will get a phone call. I'm delighted that we do and get phone calls. Mom, Dad, how, you know, something's come up. You get any advice? What do you think about this? And, and uh, it's encouraging to see that even existing with my daughter-in-laws and son-in-laws. Uh, my son-in-law uh, has an unsaved dad. And what a, what a joy that was. That my son-in-law said, can I get together with you? And he got together and he said, how can I handle this situation with my unsaved dad? I had some very, very difficult. I have bitterness toward him. I ended up dealing with him regarding that first before we even could talk about his relationship. I had to deal with the heart. But to have that happening, this is an ongoing thing that we should be involved in. So how do we instruct them? So we know that we ought to instruct. We're to deal with the whole child. We're to deal with the whole person of the child. It's an ongoing thing. Does Proverbs give us some practical applications of that? Yes, Proverbs does. And when you get into that and we see that you went from last time in verses 8 through 10 that we're to understand the instruction, let me pick it up and read from verses 10 through 12 now, Proverbs chapter 1 and deal with the first thing. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, 
Let us lie in wait for blood and let us ambush the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive like Sheol, even whole as those who go down to the pit. What is that, first of all? I believe it's talking about peer pressure. We hear that term thrown around a lot today, peer pressure. And you notice that the writer of Proverbs takes the time with his son, and he says, my son, if you're being enticed, if you're being taken away to do wrong, if other people, just because of peer pressure, want you to get involved in even hurting the innocent, in hurting the weak, you notice in verses 10 through 12. We use the term today, and it's not to be used loosely, the concept of bullying. Where does that come from, that education? We say that you know, it better be with uh, schools and it better be with institutions. The training had better come from home. The training had better come from home where we safeguard our children and teach them and instruct them. Look, evaluate. You're going to face peer pressure. By the way, adults face it as well. Camille gave an example of it tonight. That's peer pressure. Just lie to them. Are you going to respond to that? And by the way, your children are watching. Your children are watching you. You know, the concept of lying or the concept of, of not doing things right. That's peer pressure that we face. So we need to, by example, show them, and we need to instruct them. When someone comes along and puts pressure on you, you are not to give in to that peer pressure, verses 10 through 12. When, what about temptation with wealth? It goes on, verse 13, right here in the very first chapter. We will find all kinds of precious wealth. That's what they're going to use. What is it? That's what he says. There's going to be reward. Even in this case, there is wealth involved. We will fill our houses with spoil. And it says, throw in your lot with us. Uh, we shall have, all have one purse. Is the idea. Not only, look, come on along with us. Look, what's the temptation? You'll be doing fine. You'll be better off. And our young people, look at, they face pressure like that. Many of them don't have jobs. Many of them would like to do certain things, and they don't have money. And it's very easy for someone to come along and say, ah, come on, do this. And either it's not legal, or it might just be something that they shouldn't be involved in, and we need to be involved in teaching and instructing our parents, uh, excuse me, our children, about the peer pressure, even when the peer pressure is enticed with wealth and enticed with something that can fill their pockets. So what are we to tell them to do? I love the scriptures because the scriptures not only, not only because it is truth, but isn't it true that it not only tells us what to do, but it tells us how to do it? It does. Look at verse 15. How, how are they to react? He tells them. My son, look at the compassion there. Look at the instruction. He says, my son, do not walk in the way with them. That's the how. Keep your feet from their path. Here the parent clearly understands he will not be there all the time. But he's taking the time to instruct them. I won't be there. When you're faced with a situation where you're tempted to go into this wrong area, where you're even pressured because of finances. Here's the way you react. Run. Keep away from it. Those are not friends. We'll see more about that later, not tonight, on how to choose friends. This is an example, though. Don't walk with them. 
Don't go along. Don't submit to that pressure. It takes more of a young man or more of a young woman to stand up and say no. And we have to help our children to understand that. Have courage. Most of the time, the crowd is wrong. And I say most of the time because that's, that's probably the fairest way. But you look in Scripture. Many, many times, crowds would even get involved in yelling and screaming and, and reach the point. Remember with Paul? They forgot what they were yelling and screaming about. Why are we even here? What, what, what was it that we were protesting? What was it that we didn't agree with? What was it that we were unhappy with? And they, and, and they forgot. That's when the Apostle Paul was being dragged in, in Ephesus, by the way. And, and they, they, the whole crowd, and they were wrong. Young people, listen. Just because there's 10 or 15 of your friends doing something, have the courage to stand up for what's right. And parents, be instructing your children to do that because they're not always going to be with you. I think we've got time for one more. i got many, many. And i give you an example just to what your appetite is to where I'm going with this with, with with uh, some of the important things. I am going to hopefully try to deal with the concept of help them to make wise choices even regarding media today. Because that's what your children are facing. Your children, well, maybe since I mentioned it, why don't I touch it now? Okay, I will. And then we'll get back to the others later, even though that was near the end of my list. I think we need to be involved as parents. Nobody said that to me. My own brain did, since you mentioned it, okay. Help them to make wise choices with media. What does that mean? Well, let me be simple for tonight. TV. Now, you know what? Honestly, probably TV's becoming an ancient thing with kids. You know, they still watch TV, but it's usually for games or something else. But the internet. The internet. Facebook. Texting. Using the phones. Technology is a wonderful thing. Parents, I'm speaking as a parent, I don't handle those things that well. I don't. I'm not up on technology the way, in fact, to be quite frank, she's in the nursery anyway. But my daughter, we just purchased a new phone for the house because the other one was dying. I let her program it. I looked at it and I looked at the instructions I said, you do it. She did it in a few minutes. She did it in a few minutes. You know, sometimes if you have a problem with something, take it to your children. They'll show you how to work on the computer. That's what happens with adults, usually. Okay, right? Um, I don't have a Facebook account. I don't, I don't <clears throat> you know, they do. But help them to make wise choices. Specifically, go back to something we saw earlier on this one. Go with me to Proverbs 4. Here's how I'd encourage you to instruct your children in making wise choices. There's going to be all kinds of temptations out there on the internet. There's going to be all kinds of temptations that will come along that will challenge them. Encourage them to use technology. Encourage them to use their brain. But encourage them to be wise in how they use it. Proverbs chapter 4, remember this, verse 23. Here's how I would encourage you to encourage your children. What is it? Watch over your heart with all diligence. Why? For from it flow the springs of life. Check your heart. You see? Before you go on a certain website, check your heart. 
before you get involved in a certain type of social media, whatever that might be, check your heart. Before you get involved even in playing games, there's nothing wrong with games. Listen, parents, you know, we'll get up upset about some of the games they were on. We played, I, guys did anyway, probably the girls didn't, but we played with soldiers and had war and exploded them. And I remember my kids even invented ways to blow the soldiers up. You know, that's, that's true. You know, we, we get involved in such things. Just help them to go, why are you doing this? Why are you on this particular site? Why do you want, how much time is that game? How much time is the internet taking? You know, as an example, trying to be, just be practical about it. I, we don't have it any longer because my children are grown up. But I did have right next to the computer in, in our house a list of rules with the computer. You're probably not surprised. But, but seriously, it, it was to guide their hearts. We don't want you to have any more time than this on it. These type of sites are restricted. And we put some blocks and so forth as much as we could. But there should be some guidelines. And I, I remember when first Facebook first came out, we made it very, I made it very clear to my children, there is no way you will keep me from looking at your Facebook. I will go on it to see who you have as friends, who you are talking to, what you are saying. Was it frightening? Yeah, why? Because I don't want to give them privacy? No, because it was concern. When they get to be an adult, that's fine. But there should be nothing they should be able to hide from mom and dad. If they weren't hiding something from mom and dad, there's probably a problem. Be involved. Who are your friends? How did you meet them? I, I remember even with camps. They come back from camp. I'm going to start corresponding with this. Can you tell me something about that person? Can you tell me why? I mean, was it uh, just a friendship? Is there any, do you know anything about them? Why do I say that? Do you know that sometimes that is what starts? And I can tell you from a pastor, I've had to deal with this. Sometimes kids come back from camp and they have started a correspondence and next thing you know, they're running off together and causing all kinds of heartbreak. Why? Why? Because of the internet or because of social media that they weren't careful with and didn't take the time to examine certain things. What am I trying to encourage? I'm really trying to encourage, don't let your children back you off as parents. Get involved. Two, two points of guidelines, I'll have to close with this, is um, I would say this, in guiding your heart, help them to make choices. Be involved in their choices with, uh, with media to, to guide their heart with these areas. And the two guidelines I would give is this. One, train them not to be entertained by sin. Whatever entertainment, there's legitimate forms of entertainment, including games. But be careful that the area that they're in is not something that's entertaining or promoting sin. And secondly, that in their choices, try to train them to make choices that will honor God so that if they're playing a game, if they're on the internet, if they're involved in other forms of technology, would they do it if God was sitting right next to them? Help them to try to see that. By the way, that's a challenge for us, isn't it? I know it is for me. That's something that we need to be involved in, especially in this day and age that we are, and, and know who their friends are when we get to that. I have, some, I have many, many other things how we need to be uh, involved in, 
training our children and in, in teaching them. But for tonight, let's see that we have a tremendous responsibility. We need to always be involved. Help them with peer pressure. Help them with, you know, we talk about low self-esteem. You help them with that as parents. Help them to see that in God's eyes, they were exactly who God wanted them to be. Help them to see that even though it may be material, materially profitable for them, it might not be the best choice. And help them to see uh, in making choices with today's technology and media, to be very careful with it and be involved in it as parents. If we start with some of those areas, I think it'll be helpful to us. We'll talk about other areas. We'll get into, there's a lot more areas in Proverbs, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four. I'm gonna get into all of those chapters, chapter five, chapter seven, a number of things that we have instructed where the writer just takes his son and says, hear my instruction in this area, son, and be careful. Uh, let's have a word of prayer as we close. Our Father in God, I thank you and praise you for the word of God. I thank you and, and praise you that not only did you call us to be fruitful and to multiply and to have children, but you've called us, Father, very seriously as parents to instruct those children. And Father, we know it never ends. And sometimes it's wearisome. And sometimes uh, we fall short. We all do. But Father, help us to have eternity in view and help us to be involved. And even though sometimes our own children might not appreciate it, we thank you when they do. And we thank you that more importantly, that you're pleased when we're involved in the instruction, when we take the time to point them to you, to be involved in, in their lives. And help us as parents to take that seriously. Help us to see that we are the primary one responsible for it. And I pray, Father, that it would all abound to your honor and glory and that we'd see families that have produced uh, things for your honor and glory as uh, they observe our families and observe how we handle one another. We pray you bless the refreshments that you've been provided. We thank you also again as we prayed with the Paquette family this morning. We pray again for them tonight. Thanking you for their years of service, thanking you for their involvement, their testimony, all of their children. Give them safety as they move to Florida. Bless their lives. Use them greatly in that church and school. <clears throat> and I pray, Father, that as we have time to continue to have fellowship with them tonight, and when they do come back from time to time, that we just have sweet fellowship. Give you all the praise and thanksgiving, for we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We are